The Secret Order of the Rolling Duck presents Everyday Meeples, The In-Between. I'm Dave Bartlett with Steve Haley and Mitch Morris. Cool. Yeah, The In-Between, the... the in between show between our regular uh, shows where we talk about all the other things we've been playing blog with a b or podcast with a b podcast doesn't with work the, as well with, with a b. <laughs> uh, i find it funny that we're calling it a regular show on our second ever effort yeah there you go we have we have cables and stuff this time so we're this is for our legions of fans uh, <laughs> years down the road when they were like let's start at the beginning oh man and go back and listen to the glorious first two episodes indeed and by legions of fans i mean my mom my brother my sister and maybe kamaya or chris eden or someone someone like that yeah Uh, Yeah. and it's going to be ironic until we do the next episode because right now it's not between anything it's true true. yeah (laughs) oh god we we need to actually make bookends before our books fall over it makes me a little uncomfortable actually really Oh, yeah, like a lot of Should things. Should we call it just Like to not the... completing my 5x5 five five grid in King Domino, uncomfortable. We'll call That's it all. just to the right for now. <laughs> just. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's fun to be back and to talking and talk. It's fun to be back and to talk about our favorite games. And we're, today we're actually, Steve, uh, you had a good idea for this podcast. So why don't you lead us off? All right. So since we uh, started, since we decided we're going to play as much games as we can, which is not anything really new. Uh, We've all kind of invested, uh, whatever it was, $4 into a board game tracker app um, by Urko and Susan Vissering. I'm looking at it right now. And this app allows us to track all of our plays of kind of obsessively to see what we've been playing this month, uh, who, how many people we've played with, how much we've played solo, uh, the locations that we've played. And looking back over the month, it's kind of cool to see you know what my favorite, uh, what the uh, highest played game was, uh, what my top five are, things like that. And I figured it was just a good kind of thing we could look at while we discuss what games we've been playing for the month and what we're excited about, what we want to play next, mm-hmm. things like that. And it's new to us, this app to yeah. all of us. Um, and it's we should actually name the app. It's BG Stats, isn't it? Isn't it just B- board, board game stats? Board yeah. game stats. Yeah, it shows yeah. Up on BG which, Stats of mine. Which I think you well. know we're finding out about it. It's been. Every, everybody I follow on Instagram uh, for board game stuff pretty much has been using it, uh, and I've been putting it off. And then, then it was the new year starting, so I figured I might as well jump right in. And and yeah, it's been it's been fun. It has it's, been it's fun. fun. Or I really like it. It's added another level. E- except for, uh, I feel I have to track everything. Yeah. So. Uh, the games I play with five-year-olds where they beat me are just ruining, <laughs> You're ruining winning my, my stats. Yeah, if you're a competitive gamer at all, there will be anomalous games uh, that just wreck your stats. Like um, previ- er, earlier in the month, we went to a friend's house to play Werewolf right. with 15 people, 12 or 13 of which we never play games with. I actually meant, I wanted to tell John this last night. I saw him at the bar, and I'm like, nah, I don't know him that well. This reveals way too much about me. I had a prayer prepared in my head. I was going to be like, uh, John, um, I'm revealing way too much about myself right now, but I track my board game stats uh, after every board game I play, and right now you're currently sitting at a 100% win rate because you were on the two winning That's right, teams he won two of Werewolf. Games. Right. Uh, and I will never get there, 
and we need to play more games again so you're not sitting at 100%. I do occasionally play games with him at Duckies at, at a pub here in Sackville, so uh, maybe maybe that will change my percentage with him. I have to get those werewolf stats from you. I don't have werewolf added oh, to man. mine. Uh, currently, Nate, a uh, four-year-old <laughs> friend, is at the top of my list uh, with 100% because, because we played, uh, what's the game? Uh, Rhino Hero, right? And and that game doesn't have a, a winner so much as a loser, and and Robbie lost, and the rest of us won. But it means that Nate is probably permanently, yeah, uh, going to be the top stat on my list. Let's call him right now. We'll get a good game of Thunderstone going. You can beat him at that probably. <laughs> beat Nate at something else. Yeah. I'm just looking around. That's the first game I saw. He's smart. He just won't play with me now. Right. So, so he can always have that uh, unbeatable. He will hold that over me forever. <laughs> It's also a fun little tool to be like, oh, uh, Susie, my, my partner, uh, by the way, um, you're sitting pretty low in the amount of times you play games with me. Just want to let you know that um, your partner, Melissa, sits higher, as do your, your son, Sam. I don't think it was designed strangers. to use as a guilt aid. <laughs> I'll take what I can get. <laughs> so, yeah, with, with that being said, I'm just looking through the app right now. I'm looking at uh, some insights, looking at the games, 22, 22 games this past month, and... Uh, Shall I get us started? Sure. I was just gonna. I was just gonna jump in and say that with lots of colorful pie charts and stuff too. Oh so not only do you get the numbers, you get like charts and graphs and stuff. So in this many app. pie charts. Neat. My yep. kid uh, asks to see the pie charts now. Yeah. Sam's like, oh, show me the circles and tell me w- how much you play with me. There you go. Wait, what's your What's your win percentage right now? Oh God, I, I'm not sure. Where do I find that? Right now, or for the month quick? of January? For January, yeah. For Jan. For January. Um, Can we? I'll get back to it when I find it real quick. I'll Players, location, games. I I wrote all my stuff down on February first before I started playing any more games, so I'd have my January stats. Proper. You can go. You can go back and just just oh, do by the, the month. Oh, yeah. there you go. Perfect. Look at that. Um, my win. Uh, let's just say my win rate's not great. Uh, I've lost a lot. It's better than mine, I bet. Particularly, I've lost to Mitch uh, four times to be exact at Race for the Galaxy, which is uh, a, a game I got for Christmas, and that kind of cat- uh, catapulted to the top recently for the. Uh, the, the top plays for me. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about race for a second. Sure. Good place then to start. Um, race for the Galaxy is a uh, two to four player card game. You're this, it's about a galactic kind of, it's seemingly a galactic kind of warfare thing that's going on. There seems to be a, an empire rebellion type situation. Uh, but as players, you are competing, uh, racing to fill a tableau of cards in front of you. Uh, earning victory points along the way um, to get the most victory points in the end. You kind of create this kind of story in front of you. There's probably other things I could say about it, but... It's a race to a number of victory points, in fact, it isn't it? It is. Or, or, or to fill, what is it, 12 cards? Yeah, basically there's a little pile of victory points out in front of you, 12 per player. Um, if those disappear, that's the last round of the game. Or if someone places their 12th card down in front of you, in front of them, that's the end of the game, and then you, you count up your total victory points. There's victory points on, on planet cards, on development cards, um, plus you add the victory points you've been collecting, and then there's kind of multiplier bonus um, cards that that you add at the end of the game. It's a bit of a brain burner of a game. When I first like opened the rule book, the rule book was kind of convoluted. Um, so many icons. So much iconography. When I, I played my first game with Mitch, and I just really felt like I didn't have a grasp on it. And I'm still I played it now like eight or ten times, and I don't I still don't fully feel like I have a, f- a formed strategy on how to play this game very well. Um, 
Mitch, you've locked into something. Yeah, something. So, uh, well, I don't know. Hey, it's something clicked. I really, really liked it, and and seemed to have done really, really well early on. But uh, like the last game we played, I tried. Re- I've never had. Uh, there's different sort of factions going on in the game, depending on on the worlds that you you get, and if you want to uh, build a story, which probably doesn't help you win, but but is is fun. So the last game we played, I ended up starting with a military world and sort of built uh, my story around the military worlds, which I hadn't done before. And it doesn't seem like there's as much scoring going on if you follow that. So I was about 20 points behind my my usual score for the mm. previous mm. games, and I lost to Steve by two points. Oh, wow. You finally and got I, a victory. I got a win. Yep. So it, it makes me feel like... Don't build the story. Race for the galaxy. Stop. Mm-hmm. Well, you know that's it's not race for the storyline. Yeah, well, yeah, that's really interesting. I was reading uh, a thing on Board Game Geek uh, yesterday. A big fan. He was. Re- I was just reading a review of an expansion, uh, but he had a bunch of other posts talking about the artwork of the game. And the artwork's kind of pretty cool. It's like looks mm-hmm. painted, uh, really kind of detailed worlds and and uh, rebels and armies and things like that. Um, but a lot of people started commenting on this thread and and saying. Oh yeah, I love the art, but I never saw the art for a long time because there's so much kind of iconography yeah, that I just saw the symbols. The mm-hmm. And then other people were chiming in and saying, "No, I recognize the cards by the art. Yeah. Like that's the only way I play this game. I know what it does based on the art." And wow. kind of the story is what allows them to get into the game and play it well. And I imagine it's something that comes with playing the game a bunch to be able you'll recognize all the the art cards sure. and the storyline will just kind of well, what i find myself doing now, i focus on the iconography i focus on how to 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 get a kind of engine built that gives me victory points gives me more cards and then at the end i look back at my tableau and i'm like oh this is the kind of thing that happened as i raced you know i got right. this military structure or i've been developing mines and and resources more so you're doing like a, a mental post-mortem after each game to try to kind of figure out how you got to where you got yeah i, I have to i have to immerse myself in you're some a, way i just an, can't do it till the end an archaeologist going back and and looking at an mm. empire and i like, like it what, mm. what, what happened here exactly mm-hmm. that's wow. exactly what i'm doing i like that i've only played the game twice myself and i'm still at that point where i'm getting my head around it um, um, and not nearly as much as you have, Steve. Like I, I'm, I'm still getting used to the symbols, how the rounds work. I really enjoy the game, but um, but for me, I got, I have to say, uh, Race of the Galaxy is still. I'm still really new to the game. I don't have a whole lot to say beyond I'm still trying to figure it out. But I enjoy it. It's a fun game, and it, uh, it, it seems to be like you said, and and I've said this before that, you know, my favorite games are the games that. You play and you play and you play, and every time you play, there's a different way to win. Mm-hmm. And those are my favorite games because it gives you endless playability. You can try different things. Sometimes things won't work. Sometimes you'll try something once, and I'm not saying this happens in Race for the Galaxy, but other types of games like this. You try something once, it works perfectly, and then you try it again, and it's kind of like, wow, that was a total belly flop. Mm-hmm. That was just a, didn't there's, go anywhere. There's a lot of luck with Race for the Galaxy for what cards you actually sure. totally. burn through and what, what cards you get. So it, it'd be really hard to do the same thing twice. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It yeah. really would, yeah. How many uh, cards are in the game? Do you know? Uh, oh, geez, I'm 80 not sure. billion. Yeah, a I, lot. A lot. I heard uh, other podcasters talk about this game, and I, something they said I really liked, especially, again, talking. we were talking about Immersion earlier, and we're just kind of talking about it again, but because um, it's a huge deck. Like, I'm, I'm holding my hands like people can yeah, see me. I, I can see your hands. You can You're see like them. Two to three hundred cards for sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, but they were saying, is the shut up and sit down, guys, and they were, they were saying, that deck is the universe. 
mm. you know, and you're you're filtering through it. You're like flying through space, and you're just bringing up things. Uh, do you conquer this world? Do you fly on, discard it, and go on to the next one kind of thing? I really like that as like a thematic pull in. It's just thinking about that deck as as a universe to explore and mm-hmm. to race to conquer or whatever you, you happen to be doing. Mm-hmm. And I like that uh, it seems that they've been building the story into the expansions. So mm-hmm. some of the some of the new expansions where they they've actually built a story where aliens show up and like uh, and each box. I think they have some expansions that are that work with the base game, but then they have new expansions that are just a different part of the story that you. That you move on to mm-hmm. yeah i just picked up the first expansion because it's hard to grasp like any kind of overall storyline from the base game other than you know, it's a sci-fi theme mm-hmm. um with a with a military like we already said and um a rebel group um but the first expansion is called the gathering storm and there's like a couple paragraphs of flavor text hinting that there's intergalactic warfare coming and then i know the later expansions are like rebels versus imperiums and they're kind of pulling on the empire mm. rebel and then, thing and an alien race shows up and, and then a new alien race shows up so it's kind of cool but again it feels like it's a an afterthought to the game because the game is convoluted and like a really deeply strategic game it's kind of like you apply the theme later or not at all or um you play the game enough where they're they're one in they come hand in hand, mm-hmm. and I but. think a neat thing with it too is is if you apply the the race part of it, I mean, as a strategy, you can if you're playing with someone with AP, uh, and you go with the race aspect and just get out as many cards as fast as you can, you have a good chance of cutting them off at the knees anyway. That happened. That's happened to me a couple times playing with you, which I'm a mm-hmm. slow player anyways. Analysis paralysis happens all the time. Analysis and paralysis, I like it. With that kind of game, at some point I have ten cards in front of me. I'm like, oh my god, I don't know what to discard. I don't know what to play. You figured out the game a little bit more. You're like, okay, ready to go. Next decision. I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. And then I end up burning off the wrong card. Um, yeah, you can you can use the race element of that game to your advantage. It says it right in the title. It does. Mm-hmm. Mm. But it's it's funny that, uh, and we were talking about this a little a little bit earlier. And I just want to bring this up now. I know we're going to get back to this later later in the hour. But uh, but the fact of storytelling. I mean, the types of types of gamers we we are, the three of us, uh, we're always telling ourselves stories when we're playing games whether we're playing in a group and we're sometimes we're not even talking about the stories out loud but in the backs of our heads we're telling ourselves a story of of the game that's happening and in solo games which we're also going to talk about uh, later today um i've started doing that and you know i mean my cat must think i'm crazy because every now and then i probably say something out loud as i'm explaining the game to myself and uh uh, you know, but it's it's it it makes that immersion. The cat just appreciates being included. Well, there you go, mm-hmm. and and uh, and it is uh, it's a way to like like we've been talking about to immerse yourself into the world of the game you're playing, and it makes it that much more enjoyable instead of just oh well, I'm just rolling dice dice and trying to uh, accumulate victory points. You're you're telling yourself a bit of a story as you're playing, and I love that aspect. Uh, and again, I'm not there with Race for the Galaxy yet, but I'm sure that's that's going to happen. Well, we'll get there. It's a quick yep. enough game. It's a nice nice mm-hmm. one. Uh, the opposite side of that coin the game that that i recently picked up in january and have been playing the most not uh, still wasteland express is a mm-hmm. uh, huge part of my mind but uh, we picked up lords of water deep mm-hmm. which we're definitely late to the table on because it's uh, it's years old now but it's uh, it's a worker placement from wizards of the coast dungeons and dragons it takes place in the lords of water deep uh, city which is featured in the forgotten realms books and it's really really like the theme is there if you want it it's spectacular and for us it's easy 
to 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 sink into that uh where my wife uh, melissa plays it she <laughs> she just you know skims past the theme because you don't need it of it's, rogues. <laughs> it's such an accessible game and it's so easy to to teach and get going uh it's like five or ten minutes to explain it because it's such a basic work replacement but then it's got so much going on and so much little little bits of dirty backstabbing that just your emotions get into this game. Well, for me. For mm-hmm. me, uh, it happens. Like, you and Melissa both use the same card that attacked me twice in a row, the one game we were playing, and it just uh, got me so much. And I love <laughs> that that can happen in, yeah. in a game. It's mm-hmm. fantastic. But the exact opposite of this with Race for the Galaxy where... I cannot win this game. I just can't win this game. And Melissa and I played it, and we're pretty close, but she beat me by about 10 points. And then I played with Steve, and the same thing where something clicked for me for Race for the Galaxy, something clicked with him for this game, and he, he you know he's ahead of me by 20 points easily at the end of the games. And then Dave uh, played with us the first time the other day. and No, I've, I've played twice now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but, but the, other, the last time we played... Mm-hmm. I was 20-some points behind both of you, and you tied Mm -hmm. 20 points ahead of me. And that was Mm -hmm. the best I've ever done. Like, I had 148 points, and you guys still beat me by 20 points. And, like, I just... And it's not that I can't wrap my head around the game. I just... It's like playing Splendor or Mm -hmm. or Tides of Time, where I love the game, and I'll play it again and again. I'll play it three times in a row. Uh, but I just can't get a win. <laughs> it's funny because it, it's to me oh. it seems so much more simple than Race for the Galaxy too. Uh, Race for the Galaxy is so complex, whereas you, you explained Waterdeep to me in five minutes, and and you're right, something did click rather quickly where I was like, I, th- I think I have this game figured out. Um, obviously, there's always it, it's a well designed game to the point there's some randomness, there's some sure. luck that's going to influence the game. So it's hard to say like. If you're really good at this game, you're going to win every game. That's not likely, I don't think. No, but, you, you lost to Dave. Yeah, I did. Only, only during a tiebreaker, though. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, that, yeah. but that's a loss, oh, yeah. and it made I me happy. I was undefeated, even though you're technically... Um, See, I was trying to pop your tires and saying you were technically undefeated because yeah, it was a tiebreaker. I was, was going to go that way with it, but you know, I was going to treat it. No, if it was football. That's not how it looks yeah. in the stats. No. I'm reading a football comic book right now, and uh, this team lost a game and then the headlines in this texan town is kind of like oh the rebels tie it's like kissing your sister that's like i guess that's a common phrase in the south for football tying is like kissing your sister so i lost no it's really weird it's 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 saying that it's not a win like is that you can't you can't you can't it's a Mm -hmm. weird phrase for sure. sure Uh, and, and I've only played it twice. Again, uh, that was a game I've only got a couple games in. And the first game, I was just kind of like, you, the three of you had all play, uh, played before. And uh, and I was just kind of like, okay, you know, testing it out like I usually do in a new game. And I didn't, I can't remember how I did in the rankings of the four players. But, you know, it took me a, a full game to kind of go, oh, okay, I see what's going on here. But the second game I played for Lords of Waterdeep, I was kind of like, oh, I know what I'm doing. Boom. Yeah. Oh, God, I, I'm going to do this. Now, again, there's luck. Your strategy doesn't always work out. But it only took that one game to go, boom, I got this game now. And I, and I don't think it's a game I'm going to forget how to play. I think as soon as the no, game is no. set up and you look at it and you go, oh, I know how to play this Pe- game. People boom. who haven't played the game before know how to play the game. You know, yeah, like, totally. Oh, I showed it to Rob. Uh, we haven't got to play with Rob yet, but I showed it to him. Uh, just means over, and I showed it to him in five minutes, and he was ready to play. Yeah. You know, like it's yeah, it is that simple. No one, it's such an accessible game. Like mm-hmm. this is, it's easily on a top ten gateway game. 
Uh, oh, for totally. me, like. Well, it's sitting there at like Coles and Chapters with all the oh, Gateway yeah. games now. It's there with with Dominion and uh, mm-hmm. Small World and Catan. And expansion wise, I'm really like we have to get the Skullport expansion just just to see. It puts a lot more dark into it. It totally. puts a lot more mm-hmm. uh, big points into it. Like that, maybe that's my salvation. Maybe if we get the the Skullport expansion, and I can get you know one or two of the forty points with a tiny bit of corruption, uh-huh. the the expansion adds uh, two more boroughs uh, to the city that give you a couple extra spaces to go. Plus one of the expans, two expansions in one. Uh, one of the expansions is the actual Skullport borough. And uh, it adds a corruption track, which allows you to to get more resources quicker and and some bigger point uh, quests. But every time you do that, you get uh, a, a corruption token. Mm. And the more corruption tokens that get taken, the more negative points start happening for everybody in the game, uh, unless you avoid any corruption, and then you then you don't get any negative. Corruption points. takes away victory points. Yeah. So there's a corruption track. That has so many tokens per space, and every time a new space is emptied, there's there's more negative points uh, for each corruption token that everybody has. Oh, yeah. it affects the overall. So at the end of the game, if it's down that's to cool. minus six points and you have six tokens, that's minus six per token. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's cool. Yeah, it's really interesting because the one thing I find about uh, uh, this game um, is uh, the la- last game we played, and it was funny that we tied because. Um, we tend to be really polite players, you know. We don't like to do a lot we of backstabbing Canadian, yeah. in a, in our within our group in a general sense. We tend to be really polite and really kind of like, oh, oh, I I missed a turn. Oh, okay, yeah, you know, you can go back and redo that or whatever. Um, so Lords of Waterdeep, that that intrigue, that little bit of backstabbing in there in the last game, it was kind of like uh, things were going along, we were all doing our thing, and all of a sudden you gave me a mandatory quest, and the next thing you know, it's like I get a mandatory quest, I'm gonna give it to Steve, and it was like it was it, <laughs> and it was I wanted one, and you wanted. Funny <laughs> enough, you were waiting for someone because you had a victory point there to, to, if someone gave you a mandatory quest yeah, that's right so it was um so that was really interesting to kind of i i think it would be fun as we play more games together we're going to be adding that because the game i want to talk about and and, and i'll just bring it up now uh real quickly is terraforming mars which i bought this month and i've been playing obsessively solo <laughs> but the interesting part about the game in a multiplayer game and i've only played it once with with you mitch uh, and we didn't get a lot of this stuff um, is the is the interaction, the taking tokens from one person's cards and screwing them up by taking their tokens and putting them on your cards or just disposing them. Yeah, because only, it only came up like two or three times and like two of the three times you didn't even have those tokens. Like I, I, I think I took some of your, your trees and plants one time, then the next card you played stopped me from being able to do that for the rest of the game. Right, yes, there, there's, there's some prevent, prevention cards in there. Yeah, absolutely. And I, so I, I'm really interested to try more of this game to see how... Um, if it's going to kind of force us, um, because in terraforming Wars, it's those those interactions are actually optional most of the time. But I, I'm going to I, I'm curious to see as if we start playing that game a little bit more, if we're going to get a little more cutthroat and water deep as well. Like as we get used to the game, as we're trying to get our stats up and all that kind of stuff, if we're going to try to mm-hmm. uh, be a little less nice to each other in some of these games. Yeah, we don't play a lot of back savvy take back games. No. And the interesting thing about water deep is thematically, it would seem like a game that would be full of that. Yeah. And full of interest. There's really only a handful of cards it, that it is. It. Well, well, I guess you're cutting each other off it, all the time. It right? happens a lot in the game without, like, you can't avoid it. You know, whenever yeah, you want to sure. play a card, it does that. It has a lot of cards that are very nice. So when you do something, 
you know, it's sort of a, a reverse backstabbing where you try and get ahead, but you're bringing people up with you. Yeah. So you do something that gives you certain things, but in doing that, you have to do that for someone else yeah. as well. So it's sort of a reverse backstab for half the cards, and then the rest of them, you know, are full out, uh, dirty, dirty little cards. So like all the buildings yeah. with the ownership, you get something when somebody else does something, and then and a also, lot of the cards. And also, I guess like the competition of these lords of this town, and you're trying to you're competing for uh, areas, you know, like worker placement kind of thing. There's some take that just in the mechanics of the game yeah, where right. I'm like, I really, I want to go on the building spot. I want to buy a building this turn. You, Mitch, you go there right away. And I'm like, oh, damn it. And it, that feels a bit like take that without you directly being like, screw you, Steve. But mm -hmm. I also think playing the game enough, uh, being aware of what your opponents are doing allows for the be for there to be take that uh, with the air, with the worker placement. Because I'm like, oh, Mitch is totally going for that warfare quest that's up there. If he gets that. It's going to cost a lot of points. You know what? I'm just going to go take it. I'm just going to go clear the board, or I'm going to take that quest from him. Yeah, you could you could play take that that way. And that and I love how the tension escalates. Like mm -hmm. in the fifth round, you get that other worker that gets released, and and the spaces on the board disappear so fast, especially if people haven't been buying buildings, and like those last three four round well three rounds are just so congested, and like you're. Uh, and usually I'm so far behind at that point that I'm trying to find any way I can to, to get more points. And, like, there's just there's more of that happening where I could go there. Oh, you just went there. You know, mm -hmm. so it, 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 it's got a great feeling of of dirty. Yeah, that's sure. Yeah. And I think the two things you just brought up are, are, are perfectly uh, good examples of why the game is so great because um, we're still just, yeah, I mean, even four or five games and we're still just kind of learning some of the, the, the finer points of the game. So as you say, as you play this game more, I think it's just going to get dirtier and dirtier just yeah. because you're going to wreck it. You're not going to be looking at your cards going, how do I pull that off? You're going to be looking at your cards and looking at your opponents going, they're 10 points ahead of me. If I don't do this, I can screw them that mm -hmm. way, and that's how I'm going to win the game. Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, and it's beautiful. It's it is. So, the art on it is fantastic. The The tray and the pieces are, are great, the organization of the game. Like, whenever we're not playing with four people, I just leave everything in the box, and, and mm -hmm. it's it's so yeah, well it's organized. And I don't know if it's a chance or, or designed, but whenever you put the pieces away into their slots, there's just enough pieces to hold them tightly in their mm. slot so they don't bounce around. So You're nice and snug. Uh, the exact opposite of, of terraforming Mars. That mm. is true. That's why I designed and uh, built my own uh, <laughs> yeah, entry for it. And, and I'm still... working on redesigning your player mats. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah. It looks great, by I, the way. I oh, thank you. can't believe. Uh, yeah. Well, did you want to have a quick chat about terraforming Mars? Do you want to move on to that? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So... Great. So I bought this. It was kind of funny. I rolled my uh, my coins. I was trying not to buy any more games because I bought a bunch around Christmas time. And then I rolled all my change and I had 80 bucks and quarters. So I took them down to the bank. And then I went to the game store like three doors down here in town and um, saw the game there. Had heard about it. Took out my phone. Did a little search on Board Game Geeks, Geek. Saw it was like game number six ranking. Number five now. Number five now. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Well, anyway. So I said, okay. Picked it up, went over to the counter. The guy at the counter was like, oh, we just played this last night. It's one of my favorite games. Love the interaction, all this kind of stuff. So I took it home. And when I'm buying games these days, um, because I do play a lot of solo games, I try to buy games that I can play solo. Either play 
a number of different characters myself, or just there's a there's a there's an automata feature like Scythe, or like Terraforming Mars, there's a solitaire version. And uh, in the last two weeks, I'm kind of ashamed to say uh, almost the numbers. <laughs> I've played more than twenty solo games, and it takes a couple of hours at least. The game is so immersive; it's the time just flies, and when you're done. The setup takes five, like less than five minutes. The cleanup takes less than five minutes. It's mostly just shuffling cards when you're done, and it's just it's it's bad because you finish a game, and you're like, let's do it again. I'm gonna do it again, and it just sucks you right in. Now it's a it's another card game. Um, you you win. It's a Euro style victory point game with a track, but basically the concept is. Uh, you're 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 a corporation, and there's very various corporations that you can choose that give you v- various powers, and then you're laying cards in a tableau, very similar to Race for the Galaxy, and trying to increase um, the heat, the oxygen level, and the number of water ocean spaces on the board, and the game ends in a multiplayer game. Uh, when all of those three parameters are complete, and then you add up your victory points at the end of that round, and that's fine. In a solo game, which which I really like, you play fourteen rounds, fourteen generations. Um, each round is called a gen- called a generation. I'm gonna ask that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Each round is called a generation. Like how much time is passing yeah, in a game? Fourteen of generations yeah, in a solo cool. game, right? Which, so that messes your head up for storytelling because you want to be the per- like, person who's like terraforming Mars, mm. but like I'm not, I'm not fourteen generations old. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, that's what I was wondering about thematics. I'm like, is this? Are you Matt Damon for six months and you're just making potato farm, or is this like? Yeah, multi-generational, well, it, creating it's, a living It's interesting because, you know, your corporation is a, a living entity, I guess, as it's supposed to be. But but you bring it up a really interesting point because one of the corporations uh, called Credicor is basically run by kind of a playboy. And it basically says it, their superpower is any card you play that costs more than 20 bucks, which is an expensive card. Um, you get four bucks back because he just wants to blow money on the biggest kind of most extravagant things. But it names him as the CEO. But then I was thinking about it, like you say, after 14 generations, is this like, you know, his great, 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 great grandson? I, or... I figure it's Futurama, their heads in jars. Oh, right. it could be. There you go. You know, yeah, Elon that makes Musk's sense. heads in a jar and then yeah, yeah. Yeah. it's great, 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 great grandson. There you go. Yeah. So there you go. We've cleared up how we There you go. Exactly. But it's it's a super, super fun game. There's a bit of iconography, but you you pick it up. It's amazing how quick you pick up this game. The rule book is not super, super clear, but after you've played one game, you got it. Now, that's how to play. How to win, especially in a solo game where you have to accomplish like 45 things in 14 turns. Um, It's amazing how it slowly ramps up. The first two turns, you don't seem to be getting anywhere, but I've played enough solo now to know that by the seventh generation, if you don't have like, you know, three or four things done on all three of those tracks, you are not going to win. Because even though you do most of your things usually in the last four rounds, you run out of time. But it's such a fun game, A, trying to win, and whether you win or not, seeing how much victory points you get to beat that kind of solitaire score. So um, even though, you know, I I track my wins and my losses as well as my score, uh, you want to play again because A, you want to beat that score, and B, if you lose by like, oh, if I only had one more turn, you want to do it again, and it is just the most addictive game. I know you haven't played it, Steve. Mitch has played it once. I cannot wait to get... You are going to love this game. I know how much you love deck builders, and though it's not a deck builder per se, the way... 
when you lay cards, you lay this card, and then that allows you to lay this card, and that allows you to play this, and and those. I do love when that happens. Yeah, those stackable features that there, you love. It just there are a couple. Uh, you get to draw another card. Card, mm. so you will be mm-hmm. okay with it. I yeah. do love that. But but not as much. The the interesting thing about the game is, I think, and the, the hardest thing to wrap your head around the game is, you have to buy, unless you're playing your first Every game, card. you have to buy every card to have it in your hand before you can pay for it to put it down. Mm-hmm. And every round, you get four more cards to either buy or discard. And the cards are all so cool. It's kind of like, oh, I want to buy all four cards, mm-hmm. but that's going to cost me 12 bucks, and then I'm going to only have 10 bucks left in my hand, and then I can't play any cards yeah, this turn. You have to buy every card twice. Yeah, you basically <laughs> have to. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. You except mean, for in the You mean you're beginning. buying it because it looks cool and it does a cool thing? Um, Just to have it in it, your hand to but, use it. You have to buy it. But is it a case of if you play the game 20 times, do you, do you realize, like, ah, oh, that card's really cool. It does something cool, but I should hold off. Oh yeah, because I, mean, I need to save money. Well, that, that that's that's the hardest All of thing that things. I have not yeah. figured out yet in the game is how to balance. I'm getting better. The last three or four games have been very efficient. Like at the end of the game, I've only had one or two cards left in my hand, so I'm getting better at that. But mm-hmm. that is the hardest thing to learn about the game is you because all the cards kind of look cool, or you say, okay, I can't do that now, but boy, if I have that in the second ge- last generation, boom, I can put two lakes down mm-hmm. and then the game. I can end the game there. But the problem is, if you spend that three bucks and you put that card in your hand, and then two turns later, you're kind of like, oh man, I'm not going to be able to afford to put that card down. You only get, you pay each card three bucks for a card. You only get, you can take a turn to sell as many cards as you want back, but you only get a dollar per card or a mega credit per card. So that's how you run out of money by buying too many cards. This is still feeling like the. the first night Dave bought this game, he, he sent out this this message on Google Plus or whatever, wherever we're communicating. And it's just this ra- rambling about the game mechanics and the rules. I've never played it. I've never even really looked into this game. I'm at work, and I check this message, and I'm like, what is Dave talking about? He's, I've been up till 3.45 a.m. I'm terrifying Mars, but you know, generation, uh, take this Mega credits, mega credits, mega credits. And I was like, oh, my God. Yep. He, he's losing it, uh, which I, know, I was... I was I know uh, I'm gonna get a chance to learn this game because we'll play it a bunch because you're planning on talk about it on a on a yeah on probably a, our next regular podcast. episodes yeah. right um, in detail so maybe I'll save well anyway Dave put me to mind of uh, Don Cheadle in the uh, if anyone's ever seen the Mission to Mars movie uh, where these guys go looking for uh, like a lost crew that tried to, to do something on Mars I forget my, all the details but they get there and the only person left is like Don Cheadle he's literally trying to terraform Mars he's like holed up in a greenhouse with a huge fro and a beard and he's kind of crazy <laughs> I was like Dave is Don Cheadle on Mars I went down that rabbit hope hole he's okay yeah or that Martian hole so yeah. I do look forward to learning I feel like I should yep. have just taken notes to have any chance of uh, yep. terraforming Mars before you if that's how you win well <laughs> and it, but like I said it's it's a type of game that you can play it a bunch and I still haven't figured out any stretch by any stretch of the imagination any surefire way to win i'll just pretend it's yeah. water deep and we'll see well, what happens there, no it's it, and I, I just i know you're gonna love the game and of course deep. yeah there you go and yesterday of course uh, i got an expansion for that so and, and i'll thank mitch for that uh, but uh I, and uh i got the venus um venus, venus next. next and uh, but um i'm kind of thinking uh i'm still loving the base game so much oh, that yeah. i but don't if, even want to touch the expansion but yet. if we're gonna if we're gonna talk oh about we're gonna it, definitely try the expansion it. once or yeah, twice we'll but we got to try we got to try the base game first a couple games you know you brought up something a minute ago i just want to do a little disclaimer here uh we meant to talk say something in this episode i do believe um that we are really new to games for the most part and i think we mentioned it in our first episode talking about wasteland express um but i think you know i think it's 
it's obvious, you know, talking about Waterdeep, which is probably considered a gateway game and probably a pretty basic uh, it's from worker like placement. It's 2002 or 2004. Right, it's been around for a while. It, so. And honestly, it's one of the only worker placement games I've played. So uh, we just wanted to say at the top that the idea behind every Everyday Meeple uh, is that we're by no means authorities on board games, but we're just really passionate. And this is kind of like come this along. This is our this... discovery journey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, if for, for anyone listening who... Uh, uh, might get overwhelmed be like i have no idea what these guys are talking about we're not that far ahead of you if you're at all interested in board games and we are mm-hmm. just going to be discovering a lot of old classic games and and a lot of new like what would be considered like cult of the new games sure. like mars or gloomhaven yeah. things like that like we, um, i just played seven wonders for the first time and that yeah. that used to be like the number one game on board game geek for for years exactly and and i just just played it so mm-hmm. and it was fantastic i can see why it was up there mm-hmm. so we meant to say that in the beginning but maybe, maybe we'll uh We'll mention that every now and again that you know we're by no means pros. Sure. And the funny thing about it is, it's a good you brought it up as I'm kind of rambling of like you know, and it's probably going over people's head as I'm trying to describe this game. But but the, the fact of the matter is, a lot of the games we play seem overwhelming when you first take things out of the box and look at the rule book. For the most part, a lot of the games we play, what we discover is, I would say, eighty percent of the games after you play it once or twice, boom, you got it. Oh yeah. You know, at least the basics of how to play. Yeah. So don't get overwhelmed. I think that's that's uh, one thing I want to put in there. If you if you like board games, you know, and you see all these different pieces, and it's not Monopoly or the Game of Life or Clue, don't get overwhelmed. Like you know, if someone invites you over to try one of these new games, go for it. It's uh, it's not overwhelming at all once you've played it once. I think it's a uh, it's a it's a fun hobby to get into for the most part. It's a little addictive. A little. little a little addictive. addictive. <laughs> um. So something else. You know, I thought maybe looking at this app, I just thought we might list like our top five games of the month. We sure. don't want to talk about them all individually. Um, I, if, if it's okay, I'll list my five, sure. and I'll mention another game that I'm really into. Like, and then like based you, on the stats? Yeah, based on the stats. You give your top five, and then and then kind of speak to another game. Uh, Dave, do the same, and then we'll kind of round things up, something that's, like that's that. That's going to put some weird games in there. <clears throat> totally. Playing with Macy. <clears throat> so, for example, uh, looking at my, my top five uh, for... January, um, Gloomhaven's on there, which I'm going to talk about in a, in a sec, maybe. Race for the Galaxy, I already mentioned. <clears throat> Thunderstone Advance and uh, Ghost Fight and Treasure Hunters is, is at the top as well because that's a game I play with my kid, and I, I spend a lot of time playing games with him, uh, five years old. Um, you know what I think? Because this, this game's going to disappear from my uh, life soon. I'm not going to play it a whole lot. Uh, the reason Thunderstone Advance it has so many plays on there this this past month uh, is because I have Thunderstone Quest, the next iteration of this. Oh. Yeah, it's very exciting. Mm-hmm. The next iteration of this fantasy deck builder uh, coming to me. I kickstarted it uh, sometime last year. Um, but Thunderstone Advance, probably one of the first games that I like put into my collection that, that showed me what what games could be thematically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, up until this point, I was still really interested in just kind of gateway-style games. And on a whim, uh, someone was selling this in Moncton on Kijiji. I'm like, yeah, that looks kind of cool. Cool cover. Fire Demon Dude. Uh, freed on the cover. Uh, so I went in and bought it. And it was it weighed a ton. And it had like 500 cards in it because he already had an expansion in it. Uh, and I had no idea. I had only played Dominion once at this point. Uh, I got it home. Me and you played it pretty every, quickly every after day. I got it. <laughs> and then, yeah, every day or a few times a week for like a few months. It's probably my most played game in, in my collection. Um, and for anyone who's ever played Dominion, it's... it's I have not. 
it's very much just Dominion with a fantasy skin on it in a lot of ways for me- for mechanics. That's what it is. You, you fight monsters in Dominion? Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. You, it, it is you, just... you don't. Even even though Dominion does have a bit of a medieval fantasy theme, it, what's missing is the monsters, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The monsters is what is what changed the mm-hmm. game. You're still you have a, a set a spread of cards out that are you know thematically representing this village. Um, and you have your starting deck that can uh, provide attack power or a monetary value, and then you you can buy something from the village or go to the dungeon on your turn and fight a monster. At the beginning of the game, you're very unlikely to be able to fight anything because you need to recruit a hero from the village or buy a longsword or buy uh, a spell that's going to allow you to do something crazy, and you you gradually build your deck, you go fight monsters, uh, similar to Dominion in that once you buy victory point cards in Dominion, those go into your deck, and they start clogging your deck because they, they have no purpose in your deck. Uh, once you start defeating monsters, those go into your deck. And more often than not, they don't do anything except uh, make your deck not function as well as you'd like. Um, so for me, this game was just... And this speaks to how I play games, sometimes to a fault. Um, I was like, why would anyone ever play Dominion again when you can recruit heroes and go fight uh, dragons and ogres doing the same thing? I've since realized that... Not, not many people want to do that. That mm-hmm. that adding that theme onto something detracts from like accessibility of a game or whatnot. Um, but after Thunderstone, I mean, I went down a rabbit hole of just buying every kind of fantasy themed game that looked like it was going to be fun for me. Um, but n- Thunderstone has, holds this spot now as like having this nostalgic value of me finding this game, bringing it out to your guys' old house in the basement with your wood stove going, and just like playing three-hour games of this is always going to, no matter what anyone thinks about it or... or uh... And someday we'll talk about the... I, bu- I bought Numenera, which is the mm-hmm. the sci-fi version of Thunderstone, and and one time Steve and I combined the two and mm. we built a, a story of drunken dwarves that, that we'll expand on someday. Oh, yeah. That was a lot of fun. That was a good mm. one. I wrote a, a little storyline for a combination game. Nice. <laughs> a bunch of drunk dwarves get left uh, behind. No, they're, they're gathered like together for like or something. a... They're they're gathered together for like a dwarf convention a festival or, or festival, yeah, yeah. dwarf con or something. Dwarf con, yeah. And everyone in town is left because they hate dwarf con. Drunk dwarves because smash they all and show up and they get loaded and they just have Sing a party. Gold. One person has stayed to serve all these guys at the bar, and while he's serving them, um, there are monsters from the future attack. Yeah, the Numenera monsters, which are fourteen billion years in the future. These weird kind of gas aliens and and weird monsters invade and all the dwarves are the only ones left to fight so all the heroes in the in in the village are all dwarfs and all the weapons are dwarven and you just have to try to beat this that, that might have been my contribution to that that was great i think uh I you think do like try dwarves. to sell it to yeah. those guys South i think seth dwarves. rogan and those guys would be interested in making this movie actually <laughs> if we could get them on the ringer yeah uh that's good that's great um so it's going to, it's basically, I, I was about to say your first game, but I'm sure you've retired others, but it's it's going into your Hall of Fame, I guess we can say. Yeah, we'll see what Thunderstone Quest brings. I think Thunderstone Quest is going to essentially kill People it. will want to play with us now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think so. Thunderstone Quest. you and I have to play Thunderstone alone. alone I like it. With mm-hmm. a, yeah. Yeah. But I'm new. I'm new, newer to it. Yeah, I met you guys after you had played it quite a bit. Yeah, I think I pushed it on friends too hard, and they got kind of burnt out with Ro- kind Robbie of and Andrew have both spoken out against it. Yeah, mm-hmm. said it's just it's too hurt. much math. That hurt. Yeah, which is like really it's double digits. Yeah. Um, try, try using the theme. Yeah, yeah, oh. exactly. This is a perfect example of what we were talking about immersion earlier. But uh, Thunderstone Quest, the new version, seems to have streamlined a bunch of things. Um, 
seem to maybe make it play a little bit quicker. Added a dungeon board that you can traverse through with a miniature, um, as well as the monsters don't go into your deck. They go into a separate victory point pile, so you should be... It's a little more like Clank, then, it sounds like, some of those no, elements. I think a little more like and... Clank, but heavier than Clank. Sure. I think, I think to Thunderstone yeah, Quest is really going to emphasize what I think is missing from a lot of deck builders, is that you're really going to have to streamline your deck. And what we sometimes suffer from, and that's why I asked the question about Terraforming Mars, was like, are you just buying that because it looks cool and you're just new to this game, is you're going to have to resist the urge yeah. to buy everything there's in the no, village. There's no deck building in, in Terraforming Mars. Like, you no, have a, yeah. a small hand... And you'll see. You'll, you'll but yeah, see it speaks to like Clank, for example, has so many cards. Like Clank in Space uh, that you got recently is full of so many cool cards with movie references that do kind of really cool things. That you're the the thing you do in Clank is you're like, oh yeah, I'm, you just keep filling your deck to the point that Clank ends up becoming a deck builder where you barely get to use your deck because you just you fill it. Right, right. Uh, whereas you know the point of yeah, you still play it really fast. Uh, and it's a light deck build. Oh, we're, yeah. Um, but Thunderstone and, and Dominion, I th the idea is you need to thin your deck, make it economical, right. so you can burn through it really quickly. I think right. Quest is going to speak to that. Okay. Um, really excited to play it, obviously. Someone... And, that, and it's not uh, like Clank, you're you're moving through a world and, and gathering stuff. Where Thunderstone, uh, that hasn't existed. And, th and this just sort of adds placeholders yeah. to, to add a little depth. There's not actually a, a board that you, that okay. you move through, no. but there's like different layers of a dungeon and they've built it so that you're, you're placing uh, a, a placeholder basically that, that affects what you can do per turn, yeah. not so much an actual dungeon I you crawl see. through. It's replacing the mechanic of light a little bit. And yeah. well. oh, okay. if you lose to a monster, you, you stay there and you can fight him again next round. Oh, okay. Things like that. It, it's just kind of... It restricts your actions or, you know, it, mm. it adds some stuff. It's cleaned up a couple problems with right. with the dungeon row yeah. as well, I think. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Someone else want to go top five? Do you want to do yours next, Mitch? Uh, well, mine, mine's pretty obvious. Uh, Wasteland Express, top of the list. Uh, then Race for the Galaxy and Lords of Waterdeep are, are tied. We've mm -hmm. been playing those. And Seven Wonders, because it's so fast, we've gotten uh, so many games in. To make the top. Uh, and my fifth game is uh, a game I play with uh, my five-year-old uh, called Roundup, <laughs> which is uh, really... It's it's really interesting for the fact uh, that it's made by a, a Canadian company called Family Pastime Games, I think. And they have, from the little bit I've looked into them, been making games since, since the early 90s anyways. This one's from 91 or 93. And... Uh, Production-wise, it's like finding a game from the '70s. Uh, very simple, very thin cardboard pieces. It's a. It's a basically they've been working on cooperative memory games and changing the way those work for what we have. We have uh, another one called Secret Door that we've played with Macy earlier because there's less decision making, and she's loved that one. And and this one, you're you're trying your your ranchers, and five horses have gotten out. And you have to get them back in the corral, and you, you have, flip over tiles. You have to round them up. You have to round them uh -huh, up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and and you get little items. You get uh, lassos uh, and binoculars, and then there are these boulders that have numbers, and they get placed uh, to block you around. Uh, and and you can move the boulders by using the lasso. Wow. So it's That's a puzzle impressive. where you flip over a tile on your turn, or move a horse if you can. 
and you have to basically solve this puzzle of getting the five horses back in the corral. And it is super easy. Uh, we played it the first time we got it and uh, might have lost. I'm not sure. I think we mm. played it twice years ago when we got it. And then I put it away because it, it the amount of decision-making seemed too much for a two-year-old right. at the time. <laughs> Uh, but then we, we started, we, she found it on the shelf the other day and wanted to play it, and we played it, and she loves it. And so we, we just kept playing it, and we lose half the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's fun, and I'd like to explore family pastimes, because if you go to Amazon stuff, like, they're still selling these games. So, like, I, th- I think they still exist and, mm-hmm. and are still putting games, and they have a lot of games. So I'm really, I would really like to, to talk to them and, and find out, What's going on with them now that the, this world has has changed so much? Mm-hmm. Like board games have have blown up in in such a way uh, that to find a Canadian company that's been doing things for so long and, and in such a static way, I'm I'm wondering if they have big plans now. Or... Yeah, I wonder. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, huh. maybe later. Yeah. Uh, looking at my top five, I won't have to say anything else about uh, Terraforming Mars, which tops my list by far. Uh, and it is it is just so fun and addictive and um, and and fast and quick and just. You said you weren't yeah. going to say anything. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Number number two is is Scythe, which is a, a game that I've I've had for quite a while, um, and we've played a few times in a group, but. Um, there are, I figured it out mathematically, there are 100 different variations to play solo with a different opponent and a different um, uh, kind of resource tile or whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to try all the variations, so I made a little spreadsheet. I'm more than halfway through it over the last year. Um, but I love it as a solo game, uh, again, because... 100 by 100 challenge. Well, yeah, and then I bought this seven-player expansion, so I haven't even added the two new um, factions into it yet. So that, that makes it... Um, and be- then there's the wind. Oh, to get yeah, I know. I forgot I, you bought the expansions with the. Yeah, with the purple and the and the uh, what the Albanian invaders and the, from afar. Yeah, invaders from afar, exactly. Right. And cool. it's uh, I've played a few games like that solo, um, but because the game is just so much variety in the base game that I haven't really gone to it yet. But the reason I bought it at the time beyond the fact that I'm, you know, an obsessive collector like you guys, is that, you know, we do have a, a, a fairly good group of, of people we get together, and sometimes it can get to six and seven. So I would love to, I would love to try Scythe six or seven players because the board would be so congested. Again, it would force you to fight, whereas in Scythe, yeah, combat, so games you, don't, don't yeah, you don't, combat you don't need combat yeah. in Scythe, exactly. Scythe, um, uh, it's almost tragic. I've only played it once. Uh, really, only once. Eh? I only played it once with yeah. you, and it is kind of like Waterdeep. It's a little more convoluted to learn, but really didn't feel that way after you no. explained it and we played a couple moves. Similar to Waterdeep, it just clicked for me, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, I get this game. Can I go get a coffee real quick? So the other game I wanted to talk about was Saltlands. It's a game I got for Christmas, and then I've played a bunch solo as well. Uh, uh, it's number three on my top five uh, of plays uh, in January. Um, I've got to the point, though, with, with I have to say that, you know, I really like the game. We've played it multiplayer game once, which I really enjoyed. Really quick, though, uh, I was surprised at how easy uh, the multiplayer game was the one time we played it. I don't think it's going to be like that again. Um, there's a bit of variety, but basically it's one kind of puzzle, and it's how you solve it, which is how the game changes. Um, yeah, and, and I think I've played it enough now that i got a handle on the game. I don't you know, I think the strategy is going to be something that develops over time. But as for playing it solo now, I think it's the game I'm going to put away as a solo game and just uh, look forward to playing it in multiplayer. Um, what do you guys think of the game? You guys each played it once. We killed it. We killed it. Yeah, yeah. I, wanna, I was in 
earlier that that I, I was surprised at how, like from the box and from the look of the game, I expected it to be uh, a little less accessible. I expected it to be a little deeper and and more convoluted. And it it plays you know really simple. It's uh, it's a lot lighter than I expected it to be, which is you know it's fantastic. Calling a game light to me doesn't doesn't take away from the game. It just means it's mm-hmm. it's easier to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it doesn't it doesn't take away from from anything in the game. It, it just I expected it from the look of it to be more of a war game or something to be something uh, with with thicker decisions. Thicker is probably the wrong one. Heavier decisions. Mm, sure. <laughs> it looks and it was it was really light. It was really fun. Yeah, it looks a little more intimidating than it's it quick. actually is. Way and quicker than I thought it yeah, would. Yeah, I feel be. like we must. And have... and I I know that we we got a simple game uh, for you saying everything just sort of fell in our lap, uh, but just. You know, and, and we'll have to play it again. Maybe, maybe it can take three hours. I don't know what's the box time on. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but I think it's 90, 90 to one twenty or something like, like wow, that. Yeah, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, it felt very quick. Sure, and you know, I was I was saying earlier too. I like the game because it's so stark. Um, you know, it really it does give you the the everything from the artwork to the way it's laid out to everything and the gameplay it really does feel like you're one of the last humans drifting around on this dehydrated ocean that's very white and stark and austere and and i love that part of the game um which kind of keeps it very very simplistic um but but as a solo game it is it's it's not in impol- it's not as hard to win as say terraforming mars or scythe or anything like that but it is challenging and and uh the more you play though you do get a feel for the game and um especially the solo game i think there's going to be a lot more variation in a multiplayer game and you can play it cooperatively as we played it mm-hmm. but you can play co- competitively as well so that would be um, interesting it would be it would make it uh, much more challenging for the individual because the the one thing that the uh, competitive game a- uh, adds is that you can actually steal the victory point things that you need to win the, the game from your from your um opponents whereas in in a cooperative game you're trying to amass the victory points as a team so it's the difference in the the competitive game only one of so before i even ask that question sure um i really like the thematic of this game and part of uh, what i was saying earlier uh that it's a lighter game allowed me to immerse myself the opposite of race for the galaxy where i can't really even look at the cards because i don't know what they're i just i'm looking at the function mm-hmm. uh uh, Saltlands was so kind of easy to learn. All of a sudden, I'm this healer with their hood up, uh, drifting around on a windboard through the desert, uh, looking for these rumors. And when we find the rumors, we know where the extraction point is or where the yeah we're, we're, the, the game Utopia ends, reserve is or whatever. Yeah, you're looking for an escape from the Saltlands. You're trying to get right. away from the raiders and away from this environment. So a really cool theme. But mm-hmm. now that you're bringing up the competitive thing, I'm wondering the difference is. We're looking for those rumors separately, and only one of us are getting out of the Saltlands. In the competitive game, only one person gets out. But ah. there is there is an actual fourth mode for the game. There's there's solo, and there's competitive, and the, there's cooperative, and then there's the regular version of the game, which I've never played because I think a game like this you want to learn it cooperatively. So it's yeah, you that, know that made sense for a- us. I think absolutely. But you can actually play where it's not co- it's not competitive, it's not cooperative. But what it is is. A number of players can win by working cooperatively cooperatively if they decide to, but you don't have to. So you can go out as a freelancer or you can decide that one or two other players and you can play mm-hmm. up to six. Um, you know, so you can say, okay, kind you know, you can al- you can ally and you can win as a team. Mm-hmm. But it's um, it does say in the book it's one of those other games that, that has, a th- uh, has a thing that says something like, you know, how you form alliances is completely up to you. That's cool. So you can say, oh, yeah, me and Steve are going to win the game together. And then halfway through you can say, you know what, I'm going with Mitch. Screw you, Steve, kind of thing. Oh. And, uh, you know, it's... It's uh, so I think again doesn't doesn't 
fall into the way we tend to play games. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I think I've just figured out that Saltlands, the game, the theme is actually, it's like a, a holodeck experience that they use in the future for team building. Because the, ah. the goal of the game is to find uh, an ephemeral exit that yeah. drifts about. And there's nothing in the story uh, to explain what that could be right. and why that would let you escape the salt land. So that's just the door to the to mm-hmm. the, the 3D like a, world like that a, you're immersed in. It's like an X-Men virtual training where yeah, they yeah. always go so, downstairs and fight in the So once you lines. find the exit, you like, that's it, you leave the game. Hmm. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's it's kind of a, interesting. Yeah, I, I I think thematically it says something. You're just trying to escape the raiders because, of course, the whole thing about the game yeah. is the bad guys are driving around in their motorized vehicles. But it's just a flag in the desert. Yeah, yeah. it's so true. It's yeah, the spot. It's the spot where Will like Smith uh, where, where Will yeah. Smith ends up at the end of uh, I Am Legend. Yeah. It's like oh, I'm here. It's, wherever here is. Yeah. It's the helipad from any zombie game, yeah. but it drifts. Yeah. yeah. Right. Except the only, uh, and, and it doesn't really take away from what you're saying, is but uh, to, to win the game, you actually have to be on that entry point with the victory points, victory items that you need to win, and you cannot have any raiders on your on yep. your tile with you as well. Because but you don't want uh, them getting into your offices. Well, that's right. You got to make sure that they stay far away from you. Um, I'm actually really curious to play this competitively. We were talking earlier about how little of take that we play, and this sounds like it could be potentially the most take that. I'm picturing a scenario where, uh, oh, Mitch, you want to be on my team? And we're one space away from winning, and then I'm like, yoink, I steal your victory point and win without you on the last turn. Except I don't for, know why I would do that. That's a hypothetical, really cruel situation. Except for you but, can only steal in the co- in the competitive mode. So if you in the regular mode... You can cooperate or not, but you can't steal the victory points. Oh, so you can do either or in the regular mode. In the regular mode, no, on, only in the competitive mode can you steal victory points from another oh, player. Okay, gotcha. uh, Wasteland Express has a variant where you can you can attack players the way you attack raider trucks. Really? Is that right? Yeah. Well, that sounds fun. Maybe. Uh, maybe we'll have to harden our shells. I, I don't know if it's other. good for us to start. No, <laughs> no. probably not. <laughs> that if game it, is so good as it is, I wouldn't change anything if it doesn't matter either way i mean we're into games for games i think there's certain people we would we might know who might want the most take that game is you playing near or far uh, fighting everybody all the time i'm not fighting everybody (laughs) i am a campaigning robot (laughs) politically minded campaigner that's a that's a whole nother podcast boy wait for that one that's yeah we should probably uh, yeah we can get get ryan lockett's permission eventually i think we should make a Lobot for Mayor t-shirts and see... Campaign we, posters? And campaign posters, yeah. Yeah, I don't think that would be hard. We should make the shirt first and then just send it to him. He'll be, he'll be like, yeah. Keep explain the situation. Yeah, yeah, we'll come back to that another time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to... I know we're, we probably should wrap up here in a minute. Um, I really wanted to speak to Gloomhaven, but I think I'll, I'll save it for the future, obviously. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's my favorite game at the moment I, I got a feeling we might feel a little differently about it mm-hmm. um but let's try and get some more plays in for february and then we can bring it up yeah mm-hmm. because we we've can... only played it together i think once this month so mm-hmm. yeah and i'm also playing uh solo um but we'll save that for uh, either the next episode or the one after mm-hmm. um but i think that's probably pretty good for the the in between yeah, yeah. i think, think so I, I think just, i just got a nod from from Melissa saying, uh, wrap it up. It's wrap time. It up. So, okay. Well, yeah. thanks for joining us. I uh, hope you've enjoyed what you've heard. We've certainly enjoyed getting together and talking about games with you. Yeah. See you next time. And it works better with all these wires on the table. It does, miraculously. <laughs> technology. Woohoo. Yeah. Te- technology. This is an old uh, <laughs> Tascam tape deck uh, 
So we're, we're, we're late to the table with games, and we're late to the table with our technology <laughs> as well. We're showing our age. But, but, it's, uh, but it's working. Mm -hmm. Thanks a lot. Thank you.